I have a little story for you before we get started in our study. about an ungodly fa- farmer an ungodly an ungodly I'm going to get that right here in a second an ungo- ungodly farmer died and it was discovered in his will that he left his farm to the devil in the court they did not quite know what to do with his bequest how do you give a farm to the devil Finally, the judge decided the best way to carry out the wishes of the deceased is to allow the farm to grow weeds, the soil to erode, and the house and barn to rot. In our opinion, the judge said the best way to leave something to the devil is to do nothing. We can leave our lives to the devil the same way by doing nothing, by drifting wherever the current drives us. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's pretty quiet. Pretty sobering words. Things to think about, right? Heavy, heavy, heavy part of the message right from the (laughs) get-go. But let's turn in our Bibles to uh, chapter 2. in the book of Hebrews. So verse 1 in Hebrews 2 starts with a therefore. So we've got to figure out why is the therefore. So we're actually going to go to chapter 1 and start in verse 5. And I'm just going to read from there. It says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And... You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to, for those who will inherit salvation? So that gives us, gets us to our therefore. And we'll read the first, ver, first four verses there in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, Therefore, 
we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the words spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. We believers have heard from the Lord the gospel. Who he is commands us that we listen. Amen. And drift away, that word drift away is a nautical term that means to lose anchor or slip anchor. It means to become untethered, untied. You drift away from what you're holding, held to. Uh, it seems that the, the writer of Hebrews, and we're not going to get into who that was, um, many different uh, thoughts there, Paul, Barnabas, and a few people, Apollos, and maybe somebody has some other ideas, but we're not going to bother with that tonight. But it seems that the author's trying to point out something here. Uh, his audience was marked by sluggishness their faith. Uh, and of course, this letter's been written to those, uh, the Jewish believers, and a lot of them, I, I believe because of the turmoil of their hearts, they'd all their life been in a religious system. They did everything very rotely. They, they, they went to the temple at this time. They did these types of things at this type of year, and so they had this uh, time where they were always going to do something very religiously all the time. And Christianity was a lot different than that. Christianity was all about grace and mercy, and they were able to enter in. Before, things were always done by a priest who went in and entered in for them, did all the, so to speak, the dirty work, you might say, for them. They didn't have that up-close relationship. They left that to the priest. And so they were just trying to follow the things that they were done, that were, they were told to do. And that becomes very rote and very religious for people. And sometimes I think this new faith that they were trying to encounter and trying to equate it with what they'd known all their life, many of these Jews, that gave them a great struggle within their heart and their mind. And so they had this, this, this time of like, well... Do we go back and just do the, the things of the law? Do we still go to the temple? What do we do? So some confusion in their hearts and minds. And just the, the thing of uh, the something being different, you know. It was hard for them to do those things. And so many of them, uh, as a lot of times we do, we become uh, kind of disinterested or apathetic towards the things. And when you haven't had this kind of a relationship before that all of a sudden you are able to have now, then it, 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 it changes all, all the things that you've ever known in your whole life probably for all these people. So they became sluggish as they uh, went through some of these things. 
The writer wanted them to hold fast to God's word, not to be deceived by words of popularity or worldly lust. We can be in danger of slipping away from our Lord. Verse 2 talks about the words spoken through the angels, the law, the Mosaic law, Acts 7, uh, 53, Galatians 3:19. This attests to the widely held first century belief that the law was delivered <coughs> excuse me, was delivered by direction of angels appointed or uh, appointed through angels. Held with it and talking about there the just rewards for disobedience and transgressions. In verse 3, it says, So how much more shall we receive if we neglect so great a salvation? Talking about the receive, the rewards, the things that you would get for neglecting something. If they've neglected uh, by disobedience their relationship with God and they transgressed in the Old Testament, in the, in the, in the things of the law, there were, there were rewards. There was consequences to those type of things. So we have three things that we focus on there in verse 3. It was, it, these things were spoken by the Lord. It was confirmed by the hearers. And it was also brought uh, through, through signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. According to His own will. And we have the gifts, the listing of the gifts in uh, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, I think verses 5 through 11. And we want to move on to our, so we have, tonight we're going to try to get through like five exhortations here. So we're going to move to chapter 3. And we have another therefore. So to get to the therefore in verse or chapter 3, we have to re read some more in chapter 2. Excuse me. <clears throat> for it was fitting for him from for whom all things and by whom are all, all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he did not... From, back it up. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I, the children of and the children whom God has given me. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Excuse me, I'm going to read the rest of this here. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, 
that he might be a merciful and, high, and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted. So we get to the therefore in chapter 3. Picks up here, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. So we see he's talking about partakers or companions. Uh, back in chapter 1 and verse 9, it talked about his companions. A heavenly calling to inherit salvation, future glory in Christ. And there's some things we want to focus on in uh, verse 1 here. We consider our faith, uh, faithful, the faithfulness of Christ, the apostle. It talks about him being an apostle. It's the only place in the New Testament that labels Jesus as the apostle, or as an apostle. Uh, apostle. The title means sent by God to reveal the Father. And you can look in further places that talk about that in John chapter four, verse thirty-four. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 38, chapter 7, verse 28, 29, and uh, chapter 8, and si uh, verse 16. So all his house, he talks about that, about uh, Moses in Numbers chapter 12, verse 7. Moses faithful in the tabernacle building. Moses was faithful to what he was called to. Jesus was faithful in his mission. God gave him and gave or established a new house, the church. That's us. Verse 4 says, or talks about that we are, that Jesus, I'm sorry, was more worthy than Moses of glory, being that he built the house. Jesus is God. Talks about that in chapter 1. Let's uh, go down to verses 12. And we'll go through uh, verses 12 through 19. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers, there's that word partakers again, of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter, that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief.
So let's talk about some things. Talking about entering his rest. And the, and the way to enter was through belief, not through unbelief. We want to enter into God's rest at some time. The people, the, the Israelites, because of uh, their unbelief, that they didn't think God could get them from where they were to where he was taking them, that he wasn't going to get them to the promised land, they struggled along. And they, because they let the words of others, the words of their own flesh, the words of our enemy get and infiltrate into their minds and their heart, and then their own sluggishness, their own spiritual sluggishness got a hold of them, and it starts affecting their hearts. That's affecting their, their walk with the Lord. And it can do that to us as well. But we want to enter through belief. We talked a little bit ago about what we read about exhorting one another daily. All these things are very important, I believe, for all of us. I'll read this to you. Sin is deceitful. It's the lies of the enemy, our flesh, and the, in, in the world, right? We're to exhort one another daily, as I said. Sin hardens our heart to the things of God. When we let sin start ruling and reigning in our lives again, when we let it get a foothold in our lives again, after we become saved, it starts hardening our heart. Now, I got a little poem here that I, I actually wrote it. I don't know. You guys can go whatever about it. But it says, Grace and truth came through Jesus. His mercy believed is mercy received. Faith in Christ will last if we hold the anchor fast. We want to hold on to Jesus. These are difficult days and times that we live in. The world's rocking to and fro. And it can shake our faith to our very foundation. But we want our foundation to be Jesus Christ all the time, right? We have to stand upon the rock. He is our rock. If we're exhorting one another daily, building each other up in that most holy faith, exhorting one another with his love, his grace, and his mercy. Uh, so many ways that we need to, to enter into that fellowship with him and with one another. So let's move on to chapter 4. <clears throat> and we'll start at verse 14. Now, these are exhortations, guys. Don't, let's, I, I want you to feel exhorted by the time we get done. This is God's Word, and we're reading a lot of God's Word. These are things that were written to the Israelite people, but they're, all these things were written for us too, right? We've got the whole book, all 66 uh, uh, books put together in the, in the book of the Bible for us, to, for our admonition, you know, for our teaching, for our correction right for our exhortation so don't get discouraged seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are right 
yet he did it without sin. We're thankful for that. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the, and to help in the time of need. How many of you have times of need? We all have times of need. Jesus, our high priest, we talked about that in chapter 2, verses uh, 17 and uh, chapter 3, verse 6. We have, we have it, a high priest. Jesus is our high priest, right? And we want to hold fast to our confession. Go to Hebrews 10, verse 23 real quick, just to, just to move us around. Keep the pages moving, right? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more, or so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Well, it seems like the day is approaching faster and faster every day, right? So we want to we want to keep these are good words for us, right? Hold fast our confession. Verse fifteen, Jesus sympathized. He 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 uh, suffered with. He entered into the suffering. He experienced all types and degrees of temptation without sin. We. Also, every day we have these types of things that come upon us. But when we look to the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ, we go, He did that for me. I'm suffering today. Jesus suffered. He understands, right? I'm tempted. Jesus was also tempted, right? He did it without sin. And then we can be thankful and remember, Lord, this sin got me today, but it didn't get you that day. And I'm so thankful because it covered my sin that I fell in today because you took all my sin on that day, right? So that's, that's something that, that, that we can remember, that we can think about, we can, that can wash over our minds when we get to that place of, well, this is hopeless, maybe. Or we get to the sluggishness of like, I just, you know, this word really isn't speaking to me anymore. This doesn't really seem to grab a hold of my heart like it used to. And, you know, those people at church, because of whatever's going on, you know, is, it just doesn't seem the same as it used to be. Or we can go through all signs of emotions, and those take us, those steer us away from what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Because we're thinking and we're looking to the wrong thing. Not the author and the finisher of our faith. We're looking to the enemy of our faith, the one who wants to deceive us and lie to us and distract us from God. Verse 16 talks about come or draw near because of Christ's priestly work. Believers can approach God. We can come to Him. The veil is torn, right? We are able by His work to enter in. There's nothing between us and God anymore. We can go right there. We don't need a priest or anybody else to, to speak to God for us. We have 
God available to us 24-7, all the time. God, Lord, there He is, all the time. He's not an absentee God. He's there. He's present. His Spirit lives within us as believers. He loves us. He wants to lead us, guide us, enrich us, build us up. And when we are feeling low or bent down, this Word will restore us. It will wash. It will cleanse us. And then when God takes us and allows those trials, those sufferings, and those different things to go on in our lives, He brings us to a place, if we'll keep our eyes on Him, if we'll keep listening to the exhortations of the brothers, if we'll keep taking His faithfulness and remembering His faithfulness to us, we can say, Lord God, You're so good. And we can encourage one another as that day approaches, as, as we go through those things. We come boldly to the throne of grace, confidently, fearlessly. Why? Because His is a throne of grace. Jesus is on the throne next to the Father, interceding on our behalf. So let's go to chapter 5 now. Hebrews here. Uh, verse 5. So also, Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Again, our high priest. He's God's son and he is God. It says who in verse 7 says who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, right? There's something for us to learn through the suffering that we have, just like Christ. The, the things that we're going through, God wants to teach us. He wants to show us through those things. He understands. Remember, he's acquainted with our sorrows. He understands our weaknesses. He was, he was in all ways tempted, just as we are yet without sin as we just read. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected on the cross, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And we talked about earlier their sluggishness, their dull of hearing. You know, you ever, you ever go through that? You kind of like, it just kind of seems like the repeated thing. It's like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. They're just saying that again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There goes that word again. Oh, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, and we just we kind of we kind of get apathetic towards these things instead of excited, instead of taking and going, Lord, you're so good, drinking and tasting and saying, 
Lord, what else? How much more do you have for me? You know, we get bummed out because of all we spend all day on these little black boxes looking at the, the bad news. There's so much bad news out there. Patrick talked about Sunday, about the good news that we have. We've been, we can be excited. We have the truth of Jesus Christ in our hearts. We have the true word of exhortation. We have salvation through Jesus Christ for what, through what he did for us. And the world that keeps repeating and can't get enough of the bad news and makes up more bad news because they can't even remember what news they were telling the day before is looking for good news, really. Because that's all they know. The enemy, Satan, has them and he's just walking around this world and whipping them around just however and wherever he wants. And they don't even realize it. They're lost. They have no hope. They can get in front of a camera or they can walk down the street and put on a smiley face just like we can. And they can say, oh, it's all good. I got my money, I got my house, I got my whatever, I got my job. But I guarantee you, if you were able to see into their heart and their mind, there's some place in their heart and their mind when they're asking somewhere in the middle of the night or sometime, what's it all about? Why am I here? And what good is any of this anyway? We don't want to get pulled into that trap because we have the hope, eternal hope. talks about uh, you know the author in verse 11 there wants to say more to the readers uh, here but he states that they have become dull of hearing verse 12 they hadn't been and weren't growing spiritually they were babes he says they should be mature by now. They've had time to get maturity. They should be eating the, 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 the meat, the protein of the word. They should be teachers. They should be doing all kinds of things. But they're still stuck with a bottle in their mouth, so to speak, taking in the, the easy stuff. Just give, me, just, give me, just give me the 2% or maybe the 1% or the skim milk. I don't really want that stuff i got to chew on because it's too much for me. You can't handle it. You know, like little babies when they're little, that's the reason we give them those types of things because that's all they can handle. But as they mature, you know, they, pretty soon you can give them a little bit of mushed food and a little bit more and a little bit uh, closer to maybe some regular milk and different things like that and maybe whatever it is. And then a little while, it's, a while, it's pretty exciting when you see the first time you're able to, to give the little, your little uh, son or daughter or the little baby something a little bit more, you know, like you give them a grape, a whole grape or half of a grape or a piece of cheese or a piece of watermelon or a strawberry. You're like, yeah, they're growing, you know, and you see them they, and they're kind of getting to the place and pretty soon you're going, man, I wish they would get out of these diapers because that is expensive. And so anyway, so you go through all this process, but 20 years down the line, 20 years down the line, you don't expect that child of yours or anybody's to be sitting there with a baby bottle in their mouth. 
that, that shouldn't be the place where they're at. That can be the fault of, you know, the child, and also can be the, the, the fault of others as well, aiding and abetting that. But uh, the thing is, is that we need to go on to maturity, all of us, right? So let's look at chapter uh, 6, verses 1 and 2. says, therefore, and we're not going to back up this time because I think we're getting the idea here. Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits... For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tested, tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. It says, for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed whose end is to be burned. So let's go through a little bit of that because that's pretty meaty stuff there, right? Talks about repentance. We have uh, the author lists six things here in three groups. Repentance from dead works. That's what the, the law, what, the law was good, right? But the law in and of itself was good although it was weak through what? Our flesh. <clears throat> Talks about that in Romans 8.3. Uh, so what's needed for salvation? Not works, but faith in God. <clears throat> His work on our behalf. He paid it all. He took our place. The baptisms here, referring to uh, you know the baptism of the Holy Spirit, believers' baptisms at you know uh, when you receive Christ and you decide uh, that you want to openly declare uh, to to the world that you are a believer in Christ, you may come to that place. And also speaks to the various Jewish worship uh, or washings. I'm sorry, not worship. I guess that would be a, a source of, or a sense of worship, but. Uh, the various Jewish washings that they did in the Old Testament. Laying on of hands, uh, referring to or the imparting of the Holy Spirit, like in Acts 8. Ordainment for ministry, Acts also in chapter 6, but I think verses 13 and following. The Old Testament, they did this for uh, public offices, a number uh, to put someone in public office. It talks about that in Numbers 27 and Deuteronomy uh, 34. 
sacrificial offering in Leviticus, uh, I think chapters 1, 3, 4, and I think in some others there, I believe. And resurrection from the dead. So we know that all believers, it talks about in Revelation chapter 20, uh, have a resurrection from the dead. And the Old Testament teaching in Isaiah 26 and Daniel 12. Uh, without the resurrection of Jesus, we are in trouble. So if we read 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 17. In fact, let's just go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. back one more page now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty yes and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Amen? Eternal judgment. Everyone will be judged, right? The believers talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, and unbelievers in Revelation uh, chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. So there's two, two different judgments there. One, that we will be judged, believers, for uh, our rewards, for things that we've done in Christ. Uh, the unbelievers will be judged by their works. They will receive the wages of sin. Because our own righteousness pays. Because our own works pays very little. But it gives us a great uh, penalty. It comes with a great penalty. So I know the hanging question there is verses 4 through 6. There's two views uh, that was often uh, talked about, talking about verses 4 through 6 in, in uh, Hebrews there, chapter 6. So those who would believe in eternal security, uh, some of these, if you're writing more verses down that would, I guess they would use to back those things up, would be John chapter 6, verse 39 and 40. John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. Uh, Romans 8, 28 through 30. And Romans 8, 35 through 39. Now, they have, you know, would be the opposite of that, would be eternal insecurity. They're unsure, unbelief, deceptions of, you know, false teachers. So, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4, verses 13 through 15, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 17 and 18, and 1 John 
chapter 2, uh, verses 21 through 25. So these are, these are ones, so let's, if you're on, depending on which side of this opinion, I guess you are, uh, those would be verses a lot of times that people say, well, it says here, so those that would say uh, that they are on, you know, that they think there's no security in your salvation, that, you know, you can lose it. Let's, let's put it, just put it that way. They would use uh, some of the latter verses here. Some of those verses, first verses that I uh, quoted, they would use a lot of those verses to back up their, their opinion or their interpretation. So however you interpret or they interpret it or others interpret it, I guess, is this is, this is, it, this is it. A hundred percent true. Only believers in Jesus Christ will be saved. Only believers. That's a hundred percent true. That's what the Bible teaches. God's only going to take those who have put their faith and trust, <coughs> excuse me, in Jesus Christ to heaven. There is no other name by which we may be saved. There's no other salvation to be brought through any other way but through Jesus Christ. Uh, those are those from the Old Testament who were waiting for the appearing of our Lord and Savior. And those were those, those are of us who have, <coughs> excuse me, uh, come during this uh, time since Jesus Christ was here and we've put our faith and our trust and what he did on that cross. We've asked him to forgive us of our sins and we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been born again. All things have become new. That's 100% true. And that's, and that's what I'm exhorting you all tonight about, right? Today is the day of salvation. Uh, those are things that we, can, that we can tell others. That's the people that are out there giving all the bad news. That I, that's all they know and then when they get home or they're somewhere and they uh, you know their cars broke down their life's broke down their, their husband's broke down their wife's broke down whatever it may be they're looking for some hope you know the, I think the church across the corner from us is, I, think, I think their name is Hope Church we have hope we're, we should be Hope Church. We're a walking church. We're the body of Christ walking around everywhere where we go every day. It's not a guilt trip. It's something we get to do, as Patrick says. That's something, if we have the joy and the goodness of the Holy Spirit filling us and pouring through us, we get to share that with other people. When somebody asks us for the, what's, what's, what's different about you, you know? Uh, and maybe it's not just because we're goody two-shoes or whatever, but they see something different in us that, that when we do wrong, we, we, we apologize, and we work hard to apologize, okay? That we work hard to treat our neighbors right, our wives, our husbands, our children, uh, you know, our friends, our coworkers. We go out of our way, and when we, when we do wrong and we get the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon us, that we take what he gives us and what he does because he loves us so much and we take that to others and, and, and we say, man, look, I blew it yesterday with you. I had this conversation and it just wasn't good. And so as much as it depends upon us, we can go and we can be that light to the world. There's people when I was uh, unsaved and lost in the world without hope and all I knew was bad news. 
that preached to me all the time about the good news. Man, I wanted what they had. I didn't act like it to them, but I wanted what they had. And so, in my heart of hearts, when I was alone by myself and when things were sad and I was going and uh, my life was in turmoil, if I had an opportunity, guess who I went to? I didn't go to the, I, I think I'll look at the news and see what happy's going on to make myself feel better. It was never that. I couldn't wait to get to work the next day or wherever that person was that God had speaking into my life so I could see or hear what they had to say because there was something about it that was peaceful, a peace that passed understanding. I didn't understand what they had. I didn't, I didn't know what all they had. But I knew they had something that I wanted. But see, nobody, for the most part, told me how to obtain it. There's a lot of people like me and like, like a lot of people like you guys that we become sluggish as we go through even our walk with Christ. It just happens. It's a sad thing, you know. When we let the, ourselves be drawn into the, the muck and the mire of the world and we let our enemy take a hold of us again. Now, he can't have our salvation. I'm just going to say that right now. He cannot take our salvation because we're sealed with a promise in Jesus Christ. But He can sure mess us up. He can sure trip us up. He can take away our joy. He can take away our heart to seek and save the lost. That's why we're here. Patrick says it all the time. We're here helping to evacuate this earth. And, and get people pointed and towards heaven, right? We're beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. And I have to admit to you, I, I, when I was first saved, that's all I thought about was telling, telling beggars where I found some bread. So I'm, I'm exhorting myself tonight. I want to I tell more beggars about the bread that we all have, about the goodness that we have, about a God who suffered just like anybody else in this world. He understands. He's acquainted with all that you are going through, friend, neighbor, coworker, whatever you are, and he loves you. He put his, his self on a cross. He, 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 if he had to go up there and nail his hands and his feet himself, he'd have done it for you because he loved you that much. John 3.16, you know, remember that one? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's not on any news page that I read all the time. I read it all the time. You might see once in a while somebody in the crowd and they got this thing that says John 3.16 on it. Most people don't know what it says. They, you know what? We're the ones that are, we're the tellers. We're not in charge of people getting saved. We're in charge of just saying, hey, we have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He did die. He did rise again. There's over 500 people saw him after his death. Did you know that? What it says in the Bible? You know what God's done for me? I used to be a drunk and a drug addict and a womanizer and all these other things. And God saved me from that. He's changed my heart. He's changed my life. 
He's given me a joy that's unspeakable and a peace that just passes understanding like crazy. And I know when I'm close to him, there's nothing. I, I, I'm unstoppable. Not because I'm unstoppable, but he who is in me is unstoppable. And when we start living that life, when we live that Zoe life that people see in us, and they're like, wow, that dude is so how I don't understand it. That's when we're in tune with Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that we're not having a sad day or a bad day or whatever, but that we can see through the veil of suffering how good Jesus is because he's using, listen, he wants to use the suffering that you go through to build you up in his, his, in, in his, for, for his kingdom, for, for doing the work of the ministry. Because he loves you. He never stopped loving you. Somewhere along the line when you got sluggish or you got off line or whatever it was, or if you have, or if you do, he's still there. Come to me, all you who have labor and heavy burden, and I will give you what? Come and say it. Rest. That's what we all want. We want to enter into that rest finally when we get done with here. Amen? I want to be, you know, When we're done with this walk, when we're done with these things, we don't know what day that is. None of us is guaranteed the next minute. We're looking. I, I, you know, I want to look with joy. We had a, uh, a brother here in the uh, fellowship just a few days ago. You know, and I, I've, seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of us because we're sad about that, that he went home to be with the Lord. And it's burdening our hearts and it's bringing us down. And part of that's normal. Part of that's the grieving process God gives us because, hey, look, we're not going to see him again on this side of heaven. But we can rejoice because we are going to see him again. And you know what? That will never end. We'll see him from then on forever. And all those that have gone before us in Christ Jesus, that's, see, that's good news again. That brings my heart up. See how my voice is changing and everything? I'm, I'm more happier than I was. Anyway. But that's because of the goodness and the love of God. How much he loves us. People, some people are not going to listen to what you say and accept it because of what you say at the time. But what we're doing is we are doing what? We're planting. We're planting seeds. We're seed planters. We're, we're all farmers. Do you know that? We're all farmers. We get to plant seeds. We get to water them. Do you know what you're doing today? Are you watering or are you planting? I really don't know. I know God knows. And it's all up to him whether this comes up and it brings a crop. It's all, it's all God's. I'm just planting seeds. I, just, I guess I'm planting seeds. I feel like I'm planting seeds. That's what I'm doing, God. I'm just planting seeds. I want to make a furrow from here to heaven. We're just planting seeds. Somebody come along me, behind me, watering. You know what? I'm kind of tired of planting seeds. Why don't you get up here and I'll, you can take my bag of seeds and you can keep planting and I'll keep walking behind you watering. Wait a minute. We're doing this together? We're telling people the good news together? We're doing this together? I don't want to scream too loud into the mic, but woohoo! Right? Again, we get to do that. We get to tell people. Somebody told us Somebody loved God and let the Holy Spirit get into them enough that they said, man, I can't wait to tell other people about 
the goodness of God. Have you tasted and seen lately how good He is? Have you entered into fellowship with Him lately? Have you drawn near? Have you gotten your prayer closet lately and just said, Lord, here I am. Speak to me, and I'm not leaving this closet until you do. Have you ever grabbed his word and just said, you know what, Lord, I feel like I'm a little dry. I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm hitting the bottom. And I just, every time I turn around, there's a wall, and it doesn't, I can't hear your voice anymore. Guess what? He's right there. But he wants you to dig a little deeper. He wants you to crawl a little farther. Because God's not superficial. He says, come on, dig as deep as you want. I got plenty of shovels and tools and things. Let's go. I'll dig with you. We'll dig and we'll see what I'm all about. We'll dig together. You, me, my son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll just get into it. We'll just have a great time of fellowship. Because I love you. Because that's where it's at. That's where he wants us to be at. He doesn't want us sad and gloomy around like the rest of the world. You know what? We can walk in here sad and gloomy with, you know, lemon faces on and whatever, but we ought to walk out of here rejoicing how good God is, that he met us today, that he met us tonight, that he'll meet us tomorrow, that he'll meet us when we get home. He'll meet us in our closet. He'll meet us in our car. He'll meet us at work. He'll meet us wherever we're at. And in, in, in the deepest depths of despair and the highest highs of, of whatever, he's there for us. I don't even remember. I'm so messed up on time right now. I don't know when. And do you know what, what time do we We start at 630? 730. 730. I'm late. See how that good that is when we start talking about the goodness of God? I'll shut up in a minute. I promise you I will. This is what I've told you guys before. I'm kind of like an old Harley. I don't, I don't start all the time, and I don't get going real well at first, and I shake and rattle and cramble, but boy, once I get cruising down the highway, look out. So, anyway, we're cruising with Jesus. Amen? Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll ask the uh, worship team to come back up. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are so good, Lord. Draw us near to you, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Just speak to us tonight, Lord, as we go home, as, as we make our way, Lord. I pray that uh, you just, uh, your word says in, in Romans, Lord, that you're pouring your love out by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Lord, may we walk afresh and anew in that, Lord, tonight. May we want to tell somebody else about you and be inspired, Lord, by the fact that you loved each and one, each one of us individually and you sent somebody to preach the good news to us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to remember your words. You're a faithful high priest, Lord, and we love you and we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.